So recently we've started using the Scripture Union Lectionary, and the Lectionary is what gives us our Bible readings uh, for the week. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Exodus. And this works quite well, uh, because not so long ago, we were working through the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and Exodus is the second. So we're going to do a quick recap of how the book of Genesis uh, ended. We're going to remind ourselves what happened at the end there. So, who can remember Joseph? Put your hand up, put your hand up if you remember Joseph and his multicoloured coat. So Joseph had a tough start in life, didn't he? Because his father loved him more than his 11 brothers, and this caused all kinds of problems. His brothers were jealous, and they were angry. Who can tell me what Joseph's brothers did to him? Can anyone remember? They, they sold him, yes, they sold him to the Ishmaelites. I'm going to get you answered two questions there, one goes. So, uh, well but, uh, they sold him to uh, the Ishmaelites. What did they do before they sold him? What did they do before they sold him? It's working. Yeah, that's working. So, what, what did they do before they sold Joseph? Can anyone remember what they did? They took his home and they did that. What a, well, they planned to kill him, but in the end, they didn't, uh, they didn't kill him. What did they do? Where did they throw him? Remember? What do you reckon, Marcella? Down the well. Down the well, yes, in a deep system. So they stole Joseph's coat, they threw him uh, in a well, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites. And as uh, Taropa correctly told us, the Ishmaelites took him to Egypt. So Joseph was carried off as a slave. But God had his hand on Joseph. And he eventually became the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. Only uh, King Pharaoh was more powerful than Joseph. And Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of everything. So when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt in search of grain because they'd run out of food back home, there was a famine, there was no food, they went to Egypt looking for grain, and Joseph was able to prevent his whole family from, uh, from starving to death, basically, and he had his whole family come and live with him in Egypt. And that's more or less where the book of Genesis ended. But eventually, Joseph died, and a new pharaoh came to power. And uh, Joseph's family got bigger and bigger and bigger, and this new pharaoh didn't like that very much. He said, we're not careful. These Israelites are going to become more powerful than us Egyptians. And so Pharaoh made slaves of all the Israelites. Israelites were badly treated by the Egyptians, who made them do all the really hard work. And this lasted for about 400 years, so quite a long time. Eventually, God chose Moses and Aaron to take his people out of Egypt, to release them from slavery under the Egyptians. 
Now, often things that happen in the Old Testament in a physical way happen in the New Testament in a spiritual way. So, in the Old Testament, God's people were released from slavery to the Egyptians. In the New Testament, God releases people from slavery to sin. And sin is all the things that we think and do and say that hurt other people and that hurts us. And the Bible teaches us that sin keeps us in slavery. It's like it keeps us bound up. But Jesus frees us from slavery to sin. Jesus enables us to break free from that slavery to sin. And I'm going to demonstrate that. Okay, I'm going to demonstrate who, who can have a volunteer? Who can have a volunteer? To up your hand is straight up there. Okay, come on. So I want you to... <laughs> right? I should have opened it beforehand. Okay, so I want you to pretend. This isn't a toilet roll at all. This is a chain. This is sin. This is all the stuff we do. And say, I think, or what you want us to say, I think, and do. So if you hold that on your shoulder, then. And then if you turn around very slowly, turn around. So this is what happens when we sin. This is all the stuff that we say and do and think that really is not God's best for us and not the way God wants us to be. It binds us up and it makes us a slave to sin. The Bible teaches us that we are, uh, until we know Jesus, all slaves to sin. Okay? But now, I want you to break out of that to Rover. Just break it all off, throw it all off, all of it on the ground. That's what Jesus enables us to do. We're slaves to sin, but Jesus enables us to break through. Well, I'm to sit down. So that's, um, that's a brief uh, reminder, if you like, of how the book of Genesis ended and how the book of Exodus uh, begins. And we'll be looking a lot more at the story of Exodus uh, later on today and in the coming weeks. So the Israelites were free from slavery in Egypt. And Kim, you might need a roving mic for this. You just sit on the step at the front. Yeah. Uh, so the Israelites were free from slavery in Egypt. How do you think they felt? How do you think they felt? How do you So they're free at last. They felt grateful. They felt graceful. They experienced God's grace. Yes, excellent. What, what else? How might they have felt? They were free at last. How do you think they felt? What do you reckon, Amelia? Okay, that's all right. Well, Moses and the Israelites had experienced God's power in bringing them out of Egypt. Uh, but now they faced a new challenge. They had to survive in the desert. Are deserts easy places to survive? No, they're not. And uh, you may think that they'd be happy to have escaped from Egypt, but actually they weren't uh, very happy. They began to grumble and complain. Put your hand up if you ever grumble or complain. Okay, well that's... I think everyone, we all grumble and complain. What kind of things do you grumble about? Can you get away? Come on. 
tempered when they're hungry. Yet we all uh, know what that's like. And that's what happened to the Israelites. They ran out of food on this long journey and they started to complain to Moses and Aaron and they said, look, you've brought us out here into this desert to starve us all to death. Well, that's what they said to Moses and Aaron, but really they were complaining uh, against God because it is God who had brought them out of Egypt. And they clearly don't trust God. They think that God is going to let them all die in the desert. Do you think that God would let them all die in the desert? No, he wouldn't. And he didn't. You see, when we complain against God, then we're doubting his uh, goodness, his power, maybe even his existence. We shouldn't complain against God. But it's okay to take our complaints to God. It's okay to complain to God. It's okay to pray to God and say, look, there's a a group of children at school and they're being really mean to me and I don't think that's fair. I want you to do something. It's okay to say, Lord, why have you allowed this to happen? I don't understand. We're allowed to complain against uh, or about injustice, uh, lack of basic needs, uh, pain, suffering, heartache. It's okay to complain about those things. But we must always take our complaints to God rather than angrily complaining against God. But before we start complaining, we need to understand that there is a difference between needs and wants. And I want you guys to help me understand that difference. I'm going to show you some pictures. And I want you to tell me whether I'm showing you something that we need, an adult can join as well, or something that we want. So we have the, the first thing. So what have we got there? Shout it out. Clothes. Is that something we need or something we want? We need to run around amazing, can we? We've got to have some clothes. What about this? What, 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 what's that? Video, video games. Do we here's a test. Do we need video games? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a very good yes and really. Are you sure we need them? Olivia, you're saying no, you don't think we need them? Okay, so we've got a difference of opinion, that's okay. What, what's, what's this? Bread. Bread, so that's representing food. Do we need food? Yes. Of course we do, we need food, we've got to eat. What, what's this? A picture of? House. Is this something we need? Do we need a house? Yes. Do we need a house that's that big? 
Okay, if we go on to the next slide, what have we got there in that picture? Okay. It's a it's a it's a it's a girl's end, but it's the equivalent of a house. Have they got everything they need? Who thinks but let's have a show of hands, who thinks they've got everything they need? Okay, who thinks who thinks maybe not? Okay, it's a difficult one. Actually that's my own photo. And I stayed with that family in Mongolia in that uh, little tent. And actually, to me, the brief time I spent with them, they seemed really happy and really content. They had a roof over their heads, they had enough food, uh, they had sheep and uh, goats and horses. And uh, it seemed to me that they had everything they need. But we can, you know, we won't all necessarily agree on all of these. What's the next thing? McDonald's. I know you call them McDonald's, that's what we call them at home. Do we need McDonald's? No. no! That was a big resounding no. I'm so encouraged by that. <laughs> TV. Do you know what? That's what, that's what my. Did, did you recognise that as a TV? <laughs> that's what the first TV that I had, I remember at home. Yeah, the TV that just looks exactly like that. Do we need TV? No. People survived for thousands of years without television and were quite happy without it, weren't they? So maybe we don't need it. Maybe nice to watch a program now and again, but we don't need it. What's the next one? Family. Yes. We think we need family. Yes. We do need family. And the wonderful news of the gospel is that uh, whatever our uh, earthly family is like, uh, our mums and our dads and our brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts, whatever they're like, when we come into the church, we come into a family. So anyone who is part of the church has a family, uh, the family of God. And yes, we definitely need that. What's this? Do we need mobile phones? No. Uh, Some of it might be a contentious one. But how do you think we need mobile phones? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. How do you think we don't need them? Okay, so we've got a church, well, an undecided church, okay, a few technical. And what does that say? Jesus. Do we need Jesus? Every single one of us needs Jesus, uh, whether we realise it or not. We need Jesus more than any of those other things, in fact. So we know there's a difference between needs and wants. Uh, next, we're going to see that God provides. It doesn't always... Well, he does always provide for our needs, but not necessarily for our wants. Now, the Israelites thought that they were going to starve, but God provided can anyone remember what God provided for the Israelites to eat? Can you remember? What was it, Isabel? Bread and fish. Uh, bread and bread and bread and quail. Bread and quail. But the one I wanted to get out of that was the bread, and you said that. That's excellent. God provided a special kind of bread, and it looked like thin flakes of frost on the ground. But you haven't been able to see real frost or snow. Okay, if you about half of you. Okay, well the Israelites saw this this bread and they said, What is it? They'd never seen anything like this before. And they called it manna. And the word manna actually means, what is it? They didn't know. They'd not seen it before. And God gave really clear instructions. He gave them rules for collecting this bread. Now there are only three rules. 
Uh, do you think that if I teach you these three rules for collecting this special grade manner, you'll be able to remember those rules of a test one straight after? What do you reckon? Can you do that? Do you think so? Yeah? What, you're, you're confident, Dora, that's good. And you're confident, Angus, excellent. Brilliant. So, the rules, very simple rules. Rule one only collect enough manner for one day. That's the first rule. Rule two on Friday, collect enough manna for two days. That's rule two. Rule three, do not collect any manna on Saturdays. Okay, so we knock that off. Do you think you've got that? Do you think you've remembered those rules? So how much bread should they... So how much bread do they have to collect? Hang on, I'm going to come to you. How much bread do you think they have to collect on each day? Enough for how many days, Charlie? Enough for how many days? Hang on. That's on the most days. How many days bread do they need to collect? One day's worth. Exactly right. So on a Friday, how many days bread do they need to collect? Hang on. Two days. Exactly right. Do they need to collect any bread, any manna, on a Saturday? No. No, they don't. They don't. So even in those few seconds, you have managed to get those three rules. And what this taught the Israelites was daily reliance on God. They had to depend on God every day for their needs. It meant that they would never forget that God is the one who was looking after them. It's called living by faith. And I think actually we're getting further and further away from this in the Western world. Uh, Even as Christians, it often looks like we're trying to live independently of God. We don't want to have to rely on God. We want to do things on our own. And this is our great downfall. Our culture teaches that it's uh, good to be independent. And in a way it is. Uh, But actually, we're not made to be independent. We are created to be dependent on God. We're we're created for that relationship and that dependency, Isabel. Uh, But the Israelites were no different. They didn't want to depend on God. And often, they didn't trust God to provide for their needs. The Israelites kept worrying that they wouldn't have enough manna. And so they collected more manna than they needed to save it up for the next day. But it became, it went off, it became smelly and full of maggots. Would any of you want to eat bread that was full of those maggots? No way, not a chance. And they went out on Saturday to try and collect manna. Do you think they found any when they went out on Saturday to collect it? No, No, they didn't. You see, they didn't trust God. And so they thought that they needed to store up the food that God had promised to provide every day. Do you know what this is? Who knows what that is? A piñata, that's right. Uh, Children often have piñatas at parties. It's a a South American thing. And the idea is really not very complicated. You fill the piñata up with lollies and sweets and treats. And then the children take it in turns to hit it with a stick and eventually it bursts open and all the lollies spill out over the floor. What do you think happens when the lollies spill out over the floor? Hang on, what happens? Uh, the children collect them, they do 
the children collect the lollies. And it's, well, it's normally a frenzy. It's a, a blur of children scrabbling to get as many sweets as they possibly can. Uh, it's, you would think that uh, they will never have another opportunity in their whole lives to get a lolly. And most children, uh, when there's a piñata, will collect enough lollies for about six years, forgetting that they'll probably soon go to another party where there'll be more lollies. But, you know, it's not just our children who worry about not having enough lollies. And it's not just the Israelites who worried about not having enough manna, enough bread. We do the same thing. We think we're not going to have enough money. Even though we're affluent here in Australia, we think we're not going to have enough money. And so we cease to be generous. And we work endless hours trying to ensure that we have all that we want as opposed to all that we need. And when we get all the things that we think we want, we realise that we don't want them after all. And that's why uh, so many people have garages full of junk that never gets used. Or we think we're not going to have enough time. And so we start trying to claw back the time that we think we're not going to have. And when we think we're short of time, what is the first thing to go? As Christians, what is the first thing to go when we think we're short of time? Our prayer? Our Bible reading? Church? Worrying about not having enough time and money is a fast-track way to become spiritually impoverished. And this is the trap of the Western world. We, us, this church, uh, need to get uh, to a place of complete reliance on God who reveals himself through the person of Jesus Christ. We need to trust Jesus with our time, with our money, and with our lives on a daily basis. And we're going to finish with a very well-known passage from Matthew's Gospel. And it might seem odd to have the Gospel reading after the sermon. Uh, But I think Jesus' words will speak volumes to us at this point. So if we stand for Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. 